We are going to um, do a post-Christmas message to kind of finish up this Christmas question, but it's also like a transitional message as we uh, close out 2021, and uh, I hope that you'll um, take from this what the Lord has uh, for each of us. Uh, I don't know what 2022 beholds, but I know the Lord is in control, and uh, He knows what's going on, and so uh, we want to make sure to be uh, who He's called us to be and faithful, uh, regardless of what happens in our world, and, and, and so again, uh, I'm excited about what the Lord is, is doing and, and what we do have to look forward to. Um, last week we talked about um, what, well, not, not the, week, the first week we talked about what child is this. Last week we talked about uh, who is Jesus, you, and so, um, or vice versa. <laughs> um, but this week is such an important thing. What will you do with Jesus? Um, the, the first message addressed those who didn't have room. Uh, those who were maybe too preoccupied, those who had a religion of their own. And uh, again, as we close out 2021 this week, I think it's such an important thing, an appropriate thing to answer, ask and answer that question, what, what will we do with Jesus? Um, several different responses from his birth to, to his resurrection, just like we saw in the last couple messages. Um, but we're going to look at three responses spe- uh, specifically, and I think three options that we still have today um, and maybe see which ones we fall into or maybe the ones that we uh, might struggle with. And so I want to pray and ask the Lord to, uh, to bless now. Father, thank you so much for this time. Again, we thank you for what we've already experienced. Thank you for the, the worship. Thank you for uh, the songs, the opportunities to fellowship already. And Lord, now I pray that you would work in our lives uh, through this message, Lord, that your word would penetrate and accomplish in and through this what you want to accomplish, Lord. I pray that uh, we would... Um, Lord, be sensitive to your spirit uh, as you move and as you teach, uh, God, that we would, again, uh, heed your, your message. And Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't have a personal relationship with you, they're not positive they're going to spend eternity in heaven with you, Lord, I pray that uh, they would make sure of that today before they leave. Uh, Lord, we praise you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the first point right off the bat, if you have your notes, is we can either worship or dishonor him. Uh, there was a, a group at Jesus' birth uh, all throughout his life. Again, from his, from, from his life, his death, his, his resurrection. And even today, those who are worshiping him and those who are dishonoring him. Jesus himself said in John chapter 4, But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And so we know that this is God's uh, mandate for our worship. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is who God is looking for uh, to worship him. You don't have to have uh, a certain kind of voice or ability. You don't have to have um, a certain uh, facility. God's looking for us to worship him in spirit and truth, both individually and collectively. We think back at the, the birth of Jesus, again, kind of wrapping up this Christmas season and, and thinking about when he first came to this earth, there were those people, as we talked about, who uh, embraced him, who were uh, looking for him, and then those who were inconvenienced by him, those who maybe were too busy for him. And, and I think all of this kind of can be combined together, uh, whether you are worshiping him or dishonoring him. The first group that we know were very eager to worship him were the shepherds. 
And Luke chapter 2, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then immediately and see this thing which had happened, uh, which the Lord had made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statements which had been told to them about this Christ. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20, the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told of them. We also know of another group that at the birth of Christ or his early life, um, if you will, uh, embraced him and worshiped him as king of kings. And that was the wise men, of course. Matthew chapter 2, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Again, the Magi knew what was going on. The Magi had uh, inclination. They knew this was the sign. This was what was going to happen. Herod was out of loop, so he gathered everybody he could to try to find out where is this supposed to happen, who is this supposed to be, I want to know all about the, this, this Messiah. They said to him, well, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophets. And this is what this prophets wrote, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And then Herod secretly called the Magi, and he determined from them the exact time that the star appeared. I need to know when you saw this star. I need to know when this baby was born. And he sent, to, to, sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and, and search out carefully for the child. And when you have found him, I need you to come back to me and tell me where you found him so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And they saw, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And here we go. They fell to the ground and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to heaven, the Magi left for their own country by another way. And so we see at the birth of Christ, the beginning of his life, uh, the entrance. We know these, this story very familiar, is very familiar to us. We know that these shepherds came. They saw. They experienced this, this connection with the Lord. They worshiped God because of Christ. They worshiped Christ himself. Magi, same exact thing, coming, accepting, worshiping him. And contrasted from that, from, from that group of the shepherds and the wise men, of course, his parents, we see Herod there. He stands in contrast to those who are actually worshiping him and not only dishonoring him, but wanting to destroy him. We know that his, his plan was to remove this rival that he thought maybe had come on the scene. But it wasn't just at his birth. It wasn't just at the beginning of Christ's life. But at the end of his ministry, it was still the case. There were those like the shepherds and those like the wise men who were eagerly worshiping him and, and accepting him and living for him. And then there were those who were dishonoring him and wanting to destroy him. Matthew chapter 26, there were those who worshiped him. The chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against 
Jesus so that they might put him to death. Again, they wanted to dishonor him. They wanted to destroy him. But they didn't find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. Think about this. This amazing, this is the, the God of all creation. This is, uh, this is the king of all kings. This is their savior. He came into the, to his own. His own received him not. And here they are trying to stir up false witnesses. And they did. They brought many, the Bible says. What, what, that's such a bold face dishonoring of God. They didn't find any, but later on two came forward and said, this man stated, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said, do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? Did you say this? And Jesus kept silent and the high priest said to him, I, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Oh, that, 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 just, that just tore them up. The high priest tore his robes and said, he is blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Bold, you have now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered, he deserves death. That's what we think. Even by his own admission, even by his works testified, his, his word testified, his life testified. And there were still those who not only didn't want to accept him, but dishonored him and wanted him put to death, wanted to destroy him. And it gets even worse in dishonoring him. They spat on his face and beat him with their fist. Others came by and slapped him. And it got even worse. As they were doing these things, they were mocking him and making fun of Jesus, our Lord. He said, prophesy to us, you Christ, you anointed one, you, you Messiah. Who is, who is it that hit, that hit you? You know, if you, if, you are from, if you are God, if you're from God, if you're the anointed one, then tell us who just, who just slapped you in the face. We see such a, a bold mockery, a bold dishonoring of our Lord. And I don't know about you, but when I read things like that, it, it just, it stirs me up. I'm like, man, I, I would have had a hard time containing myself at that point in time. If I had already put my faith in Christ and was a follower of Jesus Christ and saw them in, and I had accepted him as Lord, as God, as savior and saw them spitting on the face of God, slapping his face, pulling out his beard, mocking him, making fun of him. I would have had a hard time containing myself. Not long before that, many in the, the crowd there were welcoming him and celebrating him. Maybe a week before. In Luke chapter 19, as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell, the, tell these people who are your followers to stop saying these things. T tell them to stop giving you worship. Stop, stop giving you adoration. Stop. Tell them to stop. And Jesus answered and said, I tell you, if these become silent, 
the stones would cry out. And when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they've been hidden from your eyes, for the days will, will come upon you when your enemies will throw you up uh, a barricade against you and sur- surround you and hem you on every side, and they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you do not recognize the time of your visitation. Again, as it, as it was the, the case at the beginning of his life, at the end of his life, his first advent is still the case today. There, there are those who truly worship and seek to worship Christ. And then there are those who dishonor him. Even those who want to destroy him. So how do they want to destroy Christ today? There's a lot of attempt and attack to destroy not only the word of God, truth, but the church of God. The, the sad and, and, and I think striking reality is that sometimes some of those people attend church. While there maybe isn't a bold attempt to dishonor and destroy him, I think we need to do a really serious evaluation this post-Christmas day. Looking into this 2022 See, our, our dishonor of, of Christ, our dishonor of, of him as Lord and King may not look like this bold scorning and, and slapping his face and, and mocking him with words that the Pharisees and the re- religious crowd uh, hurled at him at his death. But I, I wonder if, if we're saying we're followers of Christ, that if we would do an evaluation this last Sunday of 2021, I wonder if in the condition of our heart, even in a song, or even an attitude towards another believer, if we're dishonoring the King of Kings. What about in the moments of worship that we do have? Are we thinking about other things? Brother Tony, this morning in our, before our our worship team practice I shared a devotion and a lot of times we can be guilty even in leading worship of he didn't say these words but essentially was saying of going through the motions and not not relying wholly on the Holy Spirit not fully engaging in this opportunity that we have to approach the throne of God and worship not not accessing the the power that God has given us through his spirit And I think sometimes it's because we are distracted in our minds. Or maybe sometimes there is something in our heart with another believer or a family member. Maybe there's sometimes that we're even in a worship service that, you know, we're using our phone for a Bible or or whatever and and, and an alert comes up or something else happens and we we check it. But I I just wonder if if we are dishonoring the King of Kings in other ways. As I said, is, is there division in our heart? Are there unreconciled relationships that need to be made right? I, I want to challenge you and, 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 and encourage you just like I've been challenged. This, this Christmas season, this last service of 2021, let's make sure that we are truly worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as he deserves. 
and not dishonoring and aiding in any type of destroying of his body, his church. There were those that at his birth, as he was born, they ministered, and even still now to this day, point number two, accept or reject him. There was a, there was a group then, there was a group, there's a group now who's worshiping and rejecting. There's a group then and a group now who either accept or reject him. Luke chapter 8, verse 40, and Jesus returned and the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. Again, there was, there was, a, there was a time in Jesus' ministry uh, that he was, it, it, he was widely acclaimed. There was a lot of fame going about the region about him, the Bible says. And then there was a time uh, that there were very few following him. Again, at the beginning of his life, at the end of his life, there were those who accepted and there were those who rejected. Later on in Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, it says this, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And look at Zacchaeus' response. He hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. We can skip forward, Acts chapter 2. So then those who had received his word were baptized. They had received his word. Luke chapter 2, back in chapter 9, I'm sorry, yeah, Luke chapter 9, saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. It was prophesied. It was something that had to happen, that he had to be rejected. But oh, to be a part of that group that rejected Christ or that rejects him today. The disciples saw it and they were tested. We know that their, their testing, they failed in, in some ways and, and some of them failed in, in more ways than others until the resurrection it was. In John chapter 1, the next day he purposed to go to Galilee and he found Philip. Jesus said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida and uh, of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and he said to him, hey, we found him of whom Moses and the law and also all the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth is the guy. He's the Messiah. He's the son of Joseph and he's the one. And Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Again, there, was, there were those in Jesus' time, there were those at his first advent, that were ready for him, that accepted him. And there were those who said no. Closed off their heart, closed off their minds, closed off their lives, and didn't give him complete access to their life. Again, I, I think about Simeon, I think about Anna, we talked about in previous messages. These wise men we, we saw, the shepherds, many who were expecting and accepting him. But as it was then, still today, there are those who reject him. And one day they'll receive the reward of that choice. And my prayer is that there's nobody in here that has rejected Jesus Christ. Because the consequence is dire. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells specifically these false prophets this, but it's a truth for anybody. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
So not everybody who says that Jesus is their Lord will actually go to heaven. Just because he says, just because someone says that he's their Lord doesn't mean that he is their Lord. Many will say, Lord, Lord. He said on that day, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles, and I will declare them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Prophesying about the second coming, the second advent, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that is the one who's coming in accord with the activity of Satan, this one who is, uh, has, has, receives power with all power and signs and false wonders and with all deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. We know that the Bible tells us that in the end, there's going to be a great judgment. There's going to be a tribulation. There's going to be uh, uh, this, this power that Satan gives. And in the end, and in the end, there's going to be a great deception. And those who are going to believe the lie are going to be those who rejected Jesus when they had the opportunity. Revelation chapter 20, and I saw a great throne. Here's the judgment. And him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and the small, standing before the throne. The books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which are written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death, death and Hades gave up dead, gave up the dead which were in them, and they were all judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone, anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. Again, we, we come to the end of this year, and, and man, we had Christmas yesterday, and it was amazing, and, and, and maybe not, not a light message, but the accepting or rejecting of Jesus is the pinnacle of all human decisions. It is the, the highest, the most important decision that every single one of us have to make. And maybe you're sitting there this morning saying, man, I, I am absolutely a Christian. I'm abs I've absolutely accepted Jesus Christ. And praise God, man, we are a part of the few, the Bible says, that there are few on that path that leads to life everlasting. But there are so many, Jesus himself said, that are on the wide path that leads to destruction. And oh, what a, what a, what a terrible, terrible eternal judgment that is. There's no greater decision we have to make while we're on this earth than to either accept Jesus or reject him. And I pray that as we've been celebrating God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that, as I said, everyone in this place has accepted Christ. Not, not just a mental acceptance, not just a, an emotional acceptance, but a life acceptance. He is my Savior. I've yielded to him. I've not only said he's my Lord, he, I have made him my Lord. And if you're here or you're watching online and you haven't done that, I pray you would do that today before it's too late. Because as we read a while ago, the Bible says that if, if you reject him now and he returns, then there, there will be this delusion that you will believe and you will never have an opportunity to make things right from that point forward. And that kind of goes into this last point. 
If we have this gift of Jesus and we've accepted him as Savior and Lord, I believe we're going to fall into one of two categories that existed again when he came the first time and that still exists today. Point number three is those who share, those who squander him or squander the opportunity with him. Again, maybe you're here and you say, man, I, I am in that group you just described all ago. There's no doubt in my mind, I'm on my way to heaven. There's no doubt in my mind, I have yielded my life to him. I've, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. I've accepted him as my Lord. There's no doubt in my mind, I am 100% persuaded. There's not a, there's not a 0.1%. I'm not 99.9. I'm 100% sure that I am a Christian. If that's you today, then maybe this point, it's the most important point that we take with us into 2022. Will we share him or will we squander him? Again, it's something that he has maybe sadly been used to from his, his birth until now. Luke chapter 2, verse 17, when they had seen this, we read this already, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this Christ. They made known the statement they shared the good news. We know the, the, the word good news is gospel. They took what they had heard. They had took what they had seen. They had, they had taken this, this amazing encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, this good news, this, these, this, these good tidings of great joy that the angels shared with them. And then they experienced it. They took it. And the Bible says that they may known it abroad. They told everybody they could, they could tell. They were going to share Jesus because it was that important. Mark chapter 16, verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. These apostles that walked with him on this earth in his ministry, he said, go out there. You're no longer going to fish, you know, be, be, be just fishermen. You're going to be fishers of men. And they promptly reported all these instructions to Peter and his companions. After that, Jesus himself sent out through them from east to west the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. Acts chapter 4, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. In our study, the church, we went through this. Great persecution had come upon that early church. Thousands of people had been saved and added. There was a lot of stuff going on. And great persecution came and we saw that what their response was is as they were scattered, leaving their homes, leaving their families, leaving what was comfortable, leaving their jobs, leaving everything to preserve their life, they still preached the gospel everywhere. When their lives were, were altered, when their, when their lives became difficult, when, when, when everything changed for them and, and comfort was gone, they still went everywhere preaching the word. It's those who truly accepted Christ and truly made him their Lord. It's that group, I believe, that are very eager and excited to share Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but having the same spirit of faith as the Apostle Paul talking, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. Paul says, we also believe. 
Therefore, we speak. How could we not speak? How could we not share Jesus if we truly believe he is who he says he is? Matthew chapter 25, for it is, the, it is just like a man about to go on a journey who has called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. And immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two gained two more. But he who received one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground. And he hid it. He squandered it. He put it in the earth. He didn't share it. And after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. So I've gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've gained two, two more talents. And his master said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful with a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. But the one who had received one talent came up and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man. I knew that you were very strict, and, 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 and you, you, you reaped where you didn't sow. You gathered where you had no seed. So I was afraid. I didn't operate on faith. I was more worried about me than I was about what you had entrusted me with. You hear what happened to this one with one? I was more worried about me. I was more worried about what judgment I would face. I was more worried uh, that, that you would come and you would do these things versus trusting you and understanding the great privilege it was that you gave to me. And so I hid your talent in the ground. But the good news is, is you can have what's yours back. The master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. If you knew that, that I, I reap where I didn't sow and gather where I scattered no seed. If, if that's what was in your mind, your heart, you knew that I was sovereign and God overall, and I was the judge. You knew those things. Then at least you could have put my own money in the bank. And then on my arrival, I would have at least got it back with, with interest. So the judgment goes like this. Take away the one from him. And give it to the one who had ten. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throughout the worthless slave into outer darkness. And that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we know that there are those who, based on the acceptance of Christ eagerly share. And again, it seems that those who, who either have a head knowledge or, 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 or don't fully accept him and reject him have, have, a, have a, an easier path to squander. You know the story, many of you very well, at the end of his life, Matthew chapter 26, then one of the 12 named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me to betray him to you? They weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him. And from then on, he began to look for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Squandering, not sharing, squandering. The, the one who received one 
squandered. Judas, what a, what a waste. Judas betrayed the Son of Man. Matthew, I mean, Luke chapter 15. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Not many days after, the younger son gathered everything together and he went on a journey into a distant country. And look at this. And it was there that he squandered his, his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. He was starving to death. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him to his fields to feed swine. Again, we know that for, for a Jewish person to do this meant that you went below the lowest of lows to feed swine, an unclean animal. But it's worse than just feeding the swine. It says that he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But here I am, longing for what the pigs are eating. I'm dying here with hunger. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to my father. And this is what I'm going to say to my father. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of, as one of your hired men. Just do that. I'll be a slave. I, I will work for you. I, you don't even have to consider me your son. That's my plan. So he got up, the Bible says, and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he felt compassion for him. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and get the ring and put it on his hand and put sandals on his feet. I want you to take the fatted calf and kill it. We're going to eat and I want to celebrate. For this son of mine was now, was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they all began to celebrate, the Bible says, but there was another one who had an opportunity that squandered it. It was the older son who was in the field, doing his job, being, being, being a son of the father, experiencing all the blessings of the father, being in the father's house, all of the, all the goodness, but he was out working. What he does, he comes back in and he, he got close to the house, the Bible says, and he began to hear music and dance. Wait, whoa, whoa, what's going on? I didn't get no party memo. What happened? What's going on? So he summoned one of the sermons, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. what's happening? Why is there a party going on? What's, what's all this singing and dancing? And I didn't know we were having a, a, a get-together. And he said, hey, your brother has come home. Your father killed the fatted calf. And man, we're, we're pigging out. Received him back safe and sound and became angry. The older son did. He wasn't even willing to go in. You can forget that. But his father came out to him too, just like he went to the younger son. He began to plead with him. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I've been serving you. I've been in your house. 
I've been faithful to you. I've been serving you. I've been doing what I was supposed to be doing. And I've never neglected a command of yours. And yet, you've never given me a young goat. You've never killed a fatted calf for me. So that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, not brother of mine. When this son of yours came, who's devoured your wealth with prostitutes, squandered, you killed the fatted calf for him. My father said, son, you've always been with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. And he makes this correct right here. For this, your brother of yours was dead. And has begun to live. He was lost and has been found. The younger son sure did squander an opportunity. But boy, that older son did too. There's a lot of stories in the Bible of either sharing the good news, sharing Jesus, being faithful with what God has entrusted to us, namely the gospel. And then there's opposite end of the spectrum, those who squander the opportunities that God gives them. And I hate to think about many opportunities that I've squandered as a, as a follower of Christ. But maybe this Christmas season, this end of 2021, this going into 2022, We can be challenged with that question. What, what will we do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus in 2022? The greatest treasure ever known. The greatest gift ever given. God reconciling us to himself. Giving up the great pleasure of being in heaven to come to this earth, live among sinners, die a criminal's death to give us the great privilege of being with him forever and sharing how that can happen with others. Will we share him or will we squander him in 2022? We have one chance. We have one opportunity. What will we do with Jesus? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all that you do in our lives. God, as we close out 2021, this last Sunday of the year, and again, as we just celebrated um, that you so loved the world, you gave your son. Lord, we're still maybe even coming down from the excitement and, and the celebration as we think about this, this sermon today, what will we do with Jesus? I pray that our hearts are challenged. Lord, that we wouldn't look forward to 22 and say, it's going to be the same old, same old. Lord, I pray that you would start with me and that you would go through every single member in this church. God, we would, we would determine that we would not squander opportunities, that, that we will be true worshipers, that, that we won't miss opportunities, that we won't dishonor you in our life and in our worship, but we would truly worship you. Lord, that we will 
Um, not only be those who accept, as I said, that, but we'd be those who would share you with others. Lord, we ask that you would move down this invitation. God, help us um, to respond rightly. And Lord, maybe there is someone here that needs you. They've never truly surrendered their life to you. What better time than at the beginning of a new year to have a fresh start in life, period. So Lord, if there's somebody here that's lost, they're not truly saved, I pray that they would come to this altar this morning. They would ask me, they would ask someone up front and say, "How how do I do that? How can I be saved? Lord, maybe there is somebody here that's a Christian and they're dealing with bitterness. They're dealing with strife. They're dealing with relationships that are not reconciled. Lord, and in that, dishonoring you. Lord, I pray that that would be made right in this moment. And we wouldn't miss it, God. Lord, I ask you to move now. And we'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to encourage you to come.